Did you know Shopify doesn't allow more than 100 combinations of options on a product? What? No. Fortunately, there's a solution. Bold Product Options app, the number one options app on Shopify. Tell me more. It allows you to create as many options on products as you want in every type you can imagine. Like what? File uploads, text fields, text areas, radio buttons, checkboxes, color swatches, date pickers, and a couple others I forgot. Wow. Now, not only can it change prices on products, or those options can actually be products too. How so? All right, here's an example. An option could be add the matching hat or add a protective case. And then when customers select it, it actually adds that product in the checkout, increasing your average order value. But I hate long forms. Well, to boost conversions, Bold's conditional logic feature lets you show or hide options based off of what customers pick. For example, if you select custom engraving, then we only want to show the custom engraving text field after they've checked that box. Okay, where can I get it? If you need sophisticated options or just more than the standard 100 variant limit, this is the app you need. Right now, Bold is offering listeners of the unofficial Shopify podcast their product options app free for two months. Just go to kurtelster.com slash bold to install it and get your exclusive offer. That's kurtelster.com slash bold. I'm heading there now. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. We're going to talk through this issue that apparently is a, a hot button issue. So I am joined today by Juliana Jackson, AKA the customer lifetime value, the CLV lady and chief evangelist at OmniConvert. And we're going to talk through her controversial opinions on why revenue is not the be all end all. So tell us again, you were saying uh, you have a, a controversial opinion about revenue and e-commerce. Yes. So it's just, I'm just going to start with a great example. Let's take email marketing. Email marketing came up as a beautiful channel to build relationships with customers and nurture them, you know, and move into retention, right? Well, years passed, a lot of years passed. And now people that are selling email marketing services and people that are talking about email marketing nowadays are uh, selling 40% increase in revenue. 
bam you know and and it's like email has beca- has you know uh, has became a sales channel and a performance marketing channel when email is not supposed to be that right so mostly what i'm trying to say is that what's email supposed to be so email is a distribution channel in my opinion it's a nurturing channel is where it's your chance post purchase to build a relationship and it's your chance when you have uh you know when you get subscribers to get them there to purchase from you because a lot of people that subscribe to a newsletter don't subscribe you know they're not maybe ready to buy from you they just saw something cool on the website you know they don't they're not there yet but if you want to get people to be there yet you have to go that extra mile and you cannot go that extra mile with spin the wheels and you know all this bamboozling thing and carousels and spin the wheel yeah spin the wheel they're still doing it, Kurt. They're still doing it. It's, it's. I know. Every time I see spin the wheel, I'm shocked. And then if I ever say anything about spin the wheel, you know, people come out of the woodwork, and you, you know, some people are like, "I made so much money from spin the wheel," and others are like, "This is trash. What are we doing?" And I don't know what the right answer is. I really don't. Well, I can give you an answer. So I went and I did some research, some customer research on people, and they were exiting the website when they were saying the spin the wheel. So I don't want to, you know, name names, but we did, um, we work with a website that sells mattresses. So we put some hot jar, watched some user recordings and, you know, did some exit, uh, you know, pop-up surveys. So if, if you sell mattresses, right. And that, you know, are expensive, you are, you kind of have a clientele, right. And when you put that spin the wheel on the website, Yes, it might increase your conversion rate. People are very happy about conversion rates nowadays, which ties into the revenue, right? But like the question at the end of the day is that if you get someone to buy from you again, but they don't buy anymore, are you actually winning or are you actually losing money? And we did this customer research and basically we found out that uh, spin the wheel actually kills the credibility of a brand. And, you know, all this gamification is very, you know, bad, badly placed on a merchant's website. Like sometimes it fits if you're selling, I don't know, jamboree, <laughs> you know, merch or something like that. It might be cool to put a spin the wheel, but if you're selling like high end products, yes, you might get right. If there was a, sp- yeah, you would not expect a spin the wheel on a Louis Vuitton site. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. But a spin the wheel on someone selling like gaming t-shirts. Yeah. Okay. Unsurprising. Yeah. Like so I, cool. yeah, I suppose context matters here. Yeah. All right. Uh, zooming out. Who who are you? What do you do? And why do we care? Cool. So I'm the chief evangelist for OmniConvert. This is a fancy name to call someone that gave up on their lives to preach customer lifetime value. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a I'm a planter of seeds. I plant a lot of seeds in the e-commerce uh, ecosystem. And uh, every day I'm trying to get people to, uh, you know, give a damn about their customers. And it's working pretty good so far for me, but it's also a very lonely space. And it's funny because I had a, a, a conversation with Nick uh, on uh, Kristen LaFrance Slack about this. When I met him, I was like, bro, I feel lonely. <laughs> because they're Nick not... Sabato. Yeah, 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 exactly. A, f- a frequent repeat guest. Yes, I, I love him. I love him. He's amazing. And I was telling him, I feel alone. I feel alone. And uh, yeah, so this is what I do. I preach customer lifetime value. I preach, uh, you know, uh, actually, I talk a lot about customer support and onboarding because I think customer support is not a cost center, it's a revenue center, if you know what to do with them. And uh, why should you care? Because you should care about your customers and you should exit the echo chamber that e-commerce marketing is and just, you know, go back to basics. 
So yeah, I'm a big fighter of the echo chamber. There's so much to unpack there. Okay, let's go. Oh man, I've got so many notes. Let's go back. Let's define, you talked about customer lifetime value, CLTV, mm -hmm. and why that's important. Let's go back to that. Define that for me. Tell me what that is. So you have to answer to yourself to one question to understand customer lifetime value. To what extent is it worth for you as a Shopify merchant to invest in acquiring customers based on how much they spend in your store? So customer lifetime value answers to that question. And you can, it cannot exist without the acquisition cost. So think of it like this. Do a ratio between how much you spend on acquiring customers and how much those customers spend on you over time. And if that ratio is good, like, you know, people are talking about two to one or three to one, which are, you know, magic numbers. But if that ratio is bad, it means you're, you know, running your business into the ground, you know. So customer lifetime value is the best. It's, it's not a transactional metric. I know people are trying to convince you that it's a transactional metric. It's not. The main KPI for customer lifetime value is customer experience. In translation means, like, if you get people to buy from you, but your post-purchase experience is shit, they will never come and buy from you again. <laughs> and uh, it has a transactional objective. Clearly, you have to be profitable, and you have to, you know, look at the revenue, you know, uh, gross, gross margins, and you should look at the repeated revenue that comes from a customer, yes. But e-commerce merchant, it's not a transactional metric. It's a customer uh, experience-related metric, and it's all in your hands to make it rain if you focus on customer experience. That's the best way I explain it. I don't want to put the fancy formulas in because they don't work. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> yeah. So what should we, what's the right way to look at this? What should we be doing? Instead of focusing on the quantified dollar value of customer lifetime value, what should I be doing instead? Save me from myself. <laughs> so the first thing you should do you cannot talk about customer lifetime value without determining customer value, right? So just like take a short stop there. You have to determine customer value. The best way I found that you can determine it is through doing RFM segmentation, recency, frequency, and monetary value segmentation. It's something that Drew Sanoki was talking about. I'm still subscribed to his new newsletter that he doesn't even do anymore. I met him on Twitter. <laughs> He's a cool guy. He's great. I've, I love I've him. I've been lucky to talk to Drew many times. Um, yeah. We're friends. I, I text him and oh, that guy is so smart. Yeah. He is one of my uh, in my head. He occupies a portfolio of heroes. He does. In a, my a, head too. Yeah. I think that that's meant to be a great compliment. Yes, he does in my head, too. He was talking about these things like 10 years ago. I actually had a chat with him about this and he was talking about this 10 years ago. But going back, RFM segmentation means recency frequency and monetary value segmentation. So this is a very old school type of methodology that came back, came out in the 50s or 60s, which a lot of, you know, new age marketers thinks is old, but it's not because sometimes basic is good, right? So going back to this, you have to segment your customers based on the recency that they buy, the frequency that they buy and the monetary value that they buy. So if you're a merchant that has enough historical data for this to make sense, because it's not going to make sense for you if you have, I don't know, 5,000 customers. If you have 5,000 customers, call them. Stop listening. If you have 5,000 customers, this part. If you have more than 5,000 customers, segment them based on their transactional behavior, recency, frequency, and monetary value. Doing this, you will find out 
nine to ten groups of people that share a common pattern in the way they buy from you. It's like living in a building apartment, right? Everyone in that building has in common the fact that they're living in the same building, but each family is different. So if you want to do better email marketing, if you want to do better you know, communication with people on all these channels, do that RFM segmentation and then do an analysis on it. So this is quantity, quantitative data. This is a very hard word for me to say, <laughs> just for the record. I, uh, I had issues with that, even in something I'm... I'm... Well, it, it, it was perfect. It was, you said quantitative, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. So RFM analysis is what separates the boys and the men. The women and the girls, the, I don't know, Liverpool from Manchester. <laughs> I'm a Liverpool fan and I'm very mad because we're losing this season. But yeah, RFM analysis is where you score your customers, right? Based on these three things. So uh, technically, it's a score that goes from one to five. One being the lowest, high being the, fi- uh, the, the, the highest, right? And based on this score, you will see different patterns in your group. So why, why should you care about this? It's simple. Doing email marketing segmentation, right? Let's talk about email marketing. It's not enough for you to segment people and put them in a bucket and say that, you know, I'm just going to feed all these people the same stuff. They're going to eat it. No, they won't. <laughs> because in that group of people, you will find 10 to 20 other types of behaviors, right? That are very different than what the segment name does. So what I advise you to do Find an RFM tool or find some data people that can do this in an Excel and segment your customers based on this and do this analysis. And then you'll be very surprised to find out that you have buckets inside of buckets. It's like on some interstellar (laughs) plot. And these people have very different needs from you. So it's not smart to treat everybody the same because customers are not created equal. So you cannot expect someone to... uh, you know, to react to what you're saying to them or react to your 20% discount messages if you don't know exactly how they're behaving with your store. And once you do these segments of quantitative data, it's very important to enrich this uh, data with qualitative research. So there's the second step to, you know, because I'm still tuned to your question to how, how you should go about it. <laughs> enrich your data. It's great to have data. It's great to have numbers to look at. It makes you look good if you have a lot of data to look at. But if you don't do anything with it, if you don't, you know, make sense of it, it's not going to help you move the needle, right? And everyone wants and talks about moving the needle. Well, the only way you can do it is to mix quality with quantity. This is the way I'm cutting those words, and it's easy for me to say them. Mix them together and do qualitative research. And all these segments is going to help you stop playing the guessing game and how people are like to call like to call it a probability significant significant probability what's the what's the fancy word for guessing kurt <laughs> uh hypothesizing hypothesizing and significant probability someone told me that the other day on linkedin so i was i was asking is that guessing so instead of guessing ask these people you have these groups, find your VIP groups, the ones that have the highest scores. Those are the people that matter, the ones that already took the decision. You have to find out why are your most loyal customers there with you for so long. You probably are, you know, screwing something up, but these people are still there with you, with your shop, buying and buying and buying. So it's very important for you to call them. I like to promote the jobs to be done methodology. Shouts to Bob Moesta. I like jobs to be done. Yes, it takes time. 
but it's so mind-blowing so we have a customer from canada they're called hush blankets hush.ca uh, so they're selling weighted blankets so when we started working with them they were saying people are buying our blankets because they have anxiety issues and i was like hmm okay so we did a hundred hours of customer interviews over a month and we found out that people were buying their product because they were feeling lonely and the blanket was making them feel safe and normal and the second reason was that they were buying it because they wanted to help their family feel normal. So once you know things like this, you're obviously going to change your positioning. You're going to change your message to be, you know, better received by the market. So hypotheses are good, but not hypothesizing is better, right? So ask your customers. You have to talk to your customers on the phone. Yes, call them, call them. You have your customer support team there. If you, the owner... You don't have time for this. It's, it's cool. You know, it's hard to run a business. But you have customer support people. Install something and let them call these customers and talk to them. And it's going to be mind-blowing the reasons people are actually hiring your product. Because people are not perusing the internet for your product. You know, like, it, it's funny because sometimes you think, like, people are on their phone like this. Oh, I'm just, I just need right now, I don't know, a cup from whatever. And I'm just going straight for it. It doesn't happen like that. People have their whole context and, you know, trade-offs that they're doing. And if, if more people are like me, when I'm about to buy something, I find 10 reasons not to buy it. I'm trying to convince myself not to buy it. So, you know, I just go off and on and off. And that's, that's how it happens, you know, like the customer journey, which is the third point of your, uh, of this, you know, this, uh, of your, you know, responding to your question. The customer journey is not like this. It's like this, you know, it's, it's, it's a mess. You cannot, you know, you, you cannot guess it from the start. So that's why it's important to talk to your customers and then map the customer journey. So, yeah, I mean, if you're an e-commerce brand owner that's listening to this, sign up to your own newsletter. Sign up. Buy your own product and see how you are being treated by your own brand. And I think that's a great example for you to see what are some gaps in the, in the customer journey. And once you do those things, it's going to come natural to you to see what's, what needs to be fixed. Because sometimes it's not even about tools and ads and data and all this crazy stuff. Sometimes it's just about the most basic stuff, like, you know, discovering exactly what people are going to, to buy from you. Is it easy? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Are you annoying them? Uh, you know, like, it's, it's stuff like this that matter. And I feel like we just, we moved a lot in this industry in a, in a very um, acquisition-focused way that we really forgot about this, you know, small things. I hope Nailing the basics is one of has become one of my mantras because so few people put the cart before the horse they don't have the most basic stuff nailed in their business the fundamentals and then they're already trying to move on to the advanced stuff well you have to walk before you can run you need that foundation Hold on, an, an offer here has arrived from our newest sponsor how can you increase your shopify sales by 10 to 15 percent well, you could stage a PR stunt where you launch an employee into space, or you could just use Zipify one-click upsell. Created by the owner of a $100 million e-commerce store and trusted by over 8,100 Shopify merchants, one-click upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. So you could make a traditional and effective pre-purchase upsell right from the shopping cart or make post-purchase upsells immediately after a customer completes their order. And with mobile optimized offer pages that drive sky high conversions and built-in split testing for maximizing your results, 
it's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra 139 million dollars in sales and it only takes a few minutes to install it launch your first upsell and start generating 10 to 15 percent more revenue overnight so to start your free 30-day trial go to zipify.com kurt that's z-i-p-i-f-y.com slash kurt k-u-r-t and once you're there to get an unadvertised gift email help at zipify.com and ask for the tech nasty bonus tech nasty and back to the show so when you're doing those those customer phone interviews what are you trying to find out what do you what are the three things i want to walk away knowing after i've i've talked to a hundred customers cool so the reason uh, the questionings are done on some cia interviewing type of uh, of questioning so yeah i know it sounds so first we administer the truth scene. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so it's always gonna be random but what you need to find out and what you need to leave after having one of these conversations that takes from one hour one hour to a half is why did people choose you why they did almost not choose you because that's a very important question so what almost stopped those customers from buying from you and also, what is the job that they hired your product for? That's the most important part. Why did they hire your product? Because it's that stupid example. You don't buy the hole in, uh, you don't buy the, the, the hammer, you buy the hole in the wall that you put your picture with your family. But it's real. It's real. People are buying Absolutely. something for something. So if you want to know and do better positioning, better advertising, better email marketing, better anything, you have to ask your customers, and find out why they're hiring your product. And just a, a very important part, you have to go past the surface of the why. Why? Why do they buy? Because a lot of brands are selling only product outcomes. They're not selling the total outcome. They're selling discounts, they're selling features, they're selling benefits and so on on their product pages. But they don't sell the outcome. They don't show you the person using that product they show you all it's super product centric and it's okay to have a good product description but if you want to you know be there for the long run show people you know the the outcome of their uh, of their journey i uh you know it's it's a, i i know this brand that's selling a cross rope and i really like their brand and uh, i was telling them like i want to see i don't want to see a lady that looks great and is super fit jumping that you know the ropes i want to see someone like me that the pandemic wasn't nice to <laughs> And, you know, and just give me something, you know, to work with. And actually, funny enough, uh, a short story, that's how sneak the sneakers commercial, You're Not You When You're Hungry, came up. Because Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bob West, I was in the airport, and uh, I was at one of his webinars, uh, seminars, actually, back when COVID wasn't a thing, and I met him in person. And he said that he was in the airport, and he was uh, trying, they were thinking back then that they were fighting with Milky Way. So he saw someone buying a Snickers bar and went to the person and asked, you know, asked a lot of questions and found out that the person bought the Snickers bar because they had the two hour flights. They, he needed something to eat real quick. And that's, you know, and he doesn't, you know, operate well on an empty stomach. So he wasn't buying the Snickers because it was something sweet like a candy. He, the job was to keep him, you know, satiated on, for two hours. So that's how you're not you when you're hungry came up. So, and we're, we're all of us, we're making that joke right now. So you as an e-commerce brand, if you ask these questions to your customers, who knows what you can come up with that can position you differently for the future. So once I've got 
so I interview my customers. I uncover the, the real whys behind why they're buying. And I then use that to hold up the mirror in my marketing to speak to that 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 real outcome that goes beyond just the the superficial features um, and early benefits. Yeah. And from there, well, what the heck do I do next? Because we talked about you know better onboarding and emails. So of course you're in this business to make money, right? You have to sustain a business. You have once you have all this data combined. Once you know, it's very important for you to understand that relationship building is the way to go so a cool a cool advice that i uh give people is this when you have people subscribing to your newsletter when you have people in your newsletter list or email list or whatever they purchase ask them why they subscribe for what do they want to see i don't think everyone wants to see everything that you have to say right so if you if you um if you onboard people if you if you i guess uh, if you create like this type of journey that they can walk in and you're there all the time to on their own terms on their own preferred platforms and on their own you know uh, needs it's going to be easier for you to obviously sell cuz you have to sell but sell smarter you also you don't have to sell to everyone once you do this segmentation you will find out that you have customers that you don't need because let's be honest, not everyone is worth keeping in a customer database. It's not. It's it's a lot of customers are bad. And doing you yeah. You want to separate the the wheat uh, from the chaff. Yeah, exactly. You want to separate the the good customers from the bad. And if the, yeah, it, at some point you have to say buyer get off my list. Like not everyone is an ideal customer, and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. You have to be okay with that, and it's also like a natural churn that happens every year from fifteen to twenty five percent, and it's cool. You don't need those people, but once you have the you have the good ones, just just dedicate everything to to keep those people happy. Like you, customer experience is your product. You have to deliver a great experience on every touch point of their journey. They will, they will come and buy from you. But you have to make it safe for them. You have to make it comfortable for them. That's why people choose Amazon. Because Amazon makes you feel comfortable. I don't, am I, do I, it's convenient. Yeah. Am I a fan of Amazon? No, I am not. I am not. But, but can I say something about how convenient they made it for you to do it? And... The sad part is that most e-commerce brands, instead of copying the convenience and the security, they're copying the whole sales mentality. Let's sell, let's sell. And I have a meme with Valentin, you know, my boss Valentin, when he's like, um, you know, Scarface with a, you know, with a Tommy gun and saying 20% discounts, 30% discounts, 40% discounts. It is hilarious. But people don't care about the, your discounts. It's not a problem of money here. It's a problem of value. So you have to deliver value. Those people are going to stay. But... Just be honest. Give a clear shipping policy. Give a clear return policy. Don't send them an email until they don't get your product to sell another product. Don't send them emails that you know they don't want. I've seen so. I I just I think I'm you know sardonic or sadomasochistic. I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, signing up for newsletters to see what people do. Just, just out of curiosity, and I just like go and I go, I do exactly the things that I'm supposed to do to trigger an abandoned cart or something like that because I'm curious what they're what they're gonna say. And you know, it's like I sign up for your newsletter and you just drop products in your welcome series. Maybe I don't want to see those products. We have to normalize taking out products from the welcome series. <laughs> so what? Give me some more of the the top mistakes that you see brands making. What drives you crazy about e-commerce? Oh my god! 
<laughs> you have a full day. Now, so I do a lot of client work, right? So that's why I'm so heated. Uh, so everything I speak about right now, it's not hearsay, it's just client work that I do. And, you know, this is what keeps me humble. So why are you sending me the welcome series from no reply or from hello at brand? Why don't you send them to me from Jim at customer support or sub customer support people? So if I can reply to you and you invite me in a conversation, we can actually engage and you might sell me something. Why are you sending me products on the welcome series when you don't know why am I there for? Why don't you ask me? What do I want to see? Thank you so much for subscribing to my newsletter, Juliana. We're excited to have you. This is our brand. This is our value. It's our community. But we want to know who are you, Juliana. We want to know what do you want. What are you doing on this website today? And uh, stop. Take out those crazy pop-ups on your page. Like if you get on, you get on a website and you're just gonna be assaulted. Someone is. <laughs> it's, I swear. Like I'm on. I'm on assault. So you get on the website. Here, I, oh, of course, because, you know, it's camera and people do, don't see me, but I gesticulate a lot. So you have here that Joanna from Brighton bought this pillow 25 seconds ago. Sign up to my newsletter for a 15% discount. Check out my Yeah, that's like rewards, accessibility. Wait, don't go. Sign up for a new... Yeah, it's just endless. And everything happens in like three minutes. Like if you're... And it's, yeah, it's like the person who set the setup never actually looked at it. No, no. And it's insane because uh, also like the customer support thing, put that thing on the product page. Don't let it pop first because when people come to your website on the phone, your customer supporting is going to cover the whole screen and we're going to get mad and we're going to leave. So you, I, 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 I really suggest introducing the customer support pre-purchase, but introduce it on the product page and let Jim from customer support ask you what's your pain today and let the and build habits you know build habits i'm really big uh, uh, advocate of building habits in e-commerce by allowing people to get friends with jim and try to recreate that retail experience and have someone to guide you in this journey right so if you start from the beginning with a person from your customer support allow people to build a relationship don't sell them you know sell to them right away and you know just take them easy and take them on their own terms there's so many things, you know, that can be done better than they are. I see a switch in the market, which makes me happy. And I see more e-commerce brand owners much more focused on, you know, building these relationships and exchanging value. It's just that they don't know how to start because e-commerce marketing is an echo chamber. I see people posting the dumbest advice on everywhere. On <laughs> well, tell me, why do you, what's with the echo chamber? Tell me about it. Oh. Is it just... The nature of social media and people yeah. just repeating each other? Yes, I just feel like we just got to a point where we're just bigging each other up for the smallest shit. And I think people are just Googling online obvious marketing truths and posting them on LinkedIn and asking people to agree with them. And I actually was in a, I, I, I had a, I spoke at uh, the Future of Marketing on uh, Derek's event uh, like a week or two ago and I didn't do a keynote. I, uh, I actually did the manifesto. And I told people, this is a manifesto. This is not a keynote. And I started with the 1984 Apple commercial when that chick throws the hole, you know, the, the hammer. Yeah. And I, and I said to people, listen, you are hiring tools for every little job, but a tool with a, a fool with a tool is still a fool. You have to go back to basics. You have to stop bigging each other out for the smallest thing. Like you see people, oh, I just, uh, I just blasted the revenue with 20% because I tweaked an email headline. Who cares? 
or my my click to rate is big. <laughs> I have a big click to rate. So my message is this: like marketing people, it's great to use revenue to justify your effectiveness. But e-commerce brand owners, ask your marketing agencies to also see if they can, you know, prove your profitability as a brand. Because it's a very big difference between marketing, uh, you know, marketing effectiveness and business effectiveness. So the business effectiveness is not going to be seen in the revenue. Uh, it's going to be seen in the ROI. It's going to be seen in the customer lifetime value. So the echo chamber is just people that are just bigging themselves up. Because, you know, I don't know, it's just basic stuff. Increase your click-through rate. Change your headlines. Give them 20% discount. But, and if they don't want it, give them 50% discount. If they don't want it, still fuck it. Give it for free. You know, just, just, just give it. So it, it, it has become crazy. Like, this has become very, very crazy. And uh, I, just, I just, again, I'm talking about Drew. I wish Drew was here back on LinkedIn. I told him, because he's only on Twitter. I actually met him on the second day he went back on Twitter after I don't know how many years. And I was like, oh, shit, Drew Sanoki followed me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and I was telling my husband, my husband, who, who he didn't know, but I'm, you know, I'm a stalker. I, I've been stalking you for a long time. And, uh, yeah, and uh, it's like I wish more people like you, like him, like, uh, I don't know, Ezra Firestone, you would be more active because LinkedIn has a lot of e-commerce brands are on LinkedIn right now looking for advice or on Clubhouse, which is another cesspool that I don't want to talk about, of e-commerce <laughs> e bad advice. And I feel like people need... Um, I've heard that about Clubhouse. Oh, my God. Oh, my... I sound like Janice from Friends. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's bad. It's just some people that probably uh, created an account in the beginning where there was no, not too many, you know, folks there and got a following and now they're gurus. And uh, I was in these rooms. I'm also, I'm also trolling for trouble sometimes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just went in a room and uh, someone was saying that sales cures everything. And I, I, that was me. That was my... Oh, jeez. Yeah. And I just think brands need more support right now. I think a lot of brands want to do good by their customers. It's just that I think they're very suffocated with bad advice at the moment. It's not because I'm the source of it. I don't think of myself like that. But I think there's so many people that they can reach out to to get a great consultation and great, you know, um, I don't know, guidance into what they have to do instead of just listening to the people that have the biggest following on LinkedIn or on Twitter. It's, it's ridiculous, in my opinion. It is. Yeah, it is It is silly. I don't know. Follower counts. Uh, I'm over it. it I, I'm through the looking glass, where you know, now that I have an audience, I realized, like, a lot of it is just you are in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And not necessarily an indicator of, like, oh, this person is, their advice is better, or they're, they're more authentic, or whatever it is. And sometimes the follower counts are just flat out fake. Um, so now it, it's not a good metric for where you should get your advice. At all. Uh, let's do a lightning round. What, what book belongs on everyone's bookshelf? Oh God, it's Play Bigger, in my opinion, by Al Romano. Play Bigger? Yes, that's my favorite book. That's my favorite book. Mostly because I'm trying to build a category too. And I met Christopher Lockley, and he's a very nice guy. Uh, I met him on LinkedIn. He's a very nice guy, answered to a lot of my questions. And I feel like that book changed my whole mentality on how to approach markets in general. And uh, I think uh, e-commerce brands that would read that uh, book would benefit from understanding product market fit a bit, which is very important in e-commerce. It's not something that belongs only to SaaS. 
So uh, I think you should read that book to understand more about how you can position, more about how you can create problem awareness so you can be identified with the solution when the problem becomes sexy and, you know, hurtful. And uh, yeah, that's my, uh, that's my favorite uh, book. And my second book, sorry, that you didn't ask about, but it's uh, equally as important, is The Man's Side Sales One-on-One uh, -on -one from Bob Moesta. And he talks about uncovering demand, and he talks about how you can focus more on building customer relationships rather than just you know selling to them. And I really recommend that for an e-commerce uh, owner or marketer that wants to understand better how they can you know go about uh, understanding that why. What talent do you most wish you had? I wish I had more patience. <laughs> I think we all wish we had more patience. Uh, and let's see. So. You, you're the, the chief evangelist at OmniConvert, and OmniConvert has a Shopify app. Please, and I looked at it. It looks legitimately interesting. Tell me about it. Pitch me on this app. What's it called? What's it do? Why do I care? Okay, so this app is called Review because it reviews things that you might not want to see, but you have to see. <laughs> <laughs> it's an app that's focused on uh, customer lifetime value, of course, no surprise. And um, it's not a CDP. A lot of people are confusing us with the customer data platform. We're not a customer data platform. We're uh, very much focused on helping brands map their customer journey, uh, do RFM segmentation. We're actually one of the top 10 Clavio partners. So we're, we're going to help you do better email marketing and better, you know, uh, uh, help you communicate better with your customers. So it's it's an analytics app, it's a reports app, but it's also actionable based on the integrations that uh, that we have. It's funny because I'm probably one of those few people that uh, are you know are selling a product, but I'm not selling the product. But it's a cool app. It's still free. It's still free <laughs> until uh, until the uh, the end of the month. And I think if you want to look at your uh, customers and see, you know, exactly what are they doing from a transactional perspective and see what your customer lifetime value is, how it has decreased, understand your uh, your best cohorts, understand your best customers, you should uh, you should check reveal out. Certainly, I will I'll include that in the show notes. Finally, the hardest part of having a podcast is coming up with a title. I think this episode is called Unconventional Opinions on Optimizing Customer Journey with the CLV Lady. It's funny. I like it. I I'll like go it. with that. It's not, uh, maybe it could be a little pithier, but it, it's good enough. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just, I was waiting on this podcast to say everything. I feel like I, uh, this is my Jay Leno. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now I can. Now I'm good. Like if I got to your podcast, it's like this is my Jay Leno. I'm probably gonna drop an album after this, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> well, I will. I will pre-order your album, uh, cool. Juliana. Where can people go to learn more about you? Clearly, they can find me on LinkedIn <laughs> because I, I pay real estate on LinkedIn. No, they can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Juliana Jackson, or the CLV Lady on Twitter, and uh, everywhere else at the CLV Lady. All right, I will uh, include that in the show notes. And we will, uh, well, actually, I connected with you on LinkedIn, and there was a theme I noticed. You said, wow, e-commerce is a sausage fest. That's, <laughs> that's what I want to close out on. What's good? Tell me about that. I mean, clearly, <laughs> uh, e-commerce e is a sausage fest in the sense that, you know, if you look at more podcasts, I was looking at podcasts, and when I started my podcast, I was looking at, I was thinking like, damn, it's the same dudes everywhere. 
yep. say, saying that's uh, mostly more or less the same thing. So I said, it's good because like a lot of these dudes I like and I'm friends with. But at the same time, I don't see that many females. And I was looking around in my circle of friends and I know a lot of females that work in uh, e-commerce that are really, really cool and ambitious and they're, you know, creating impact. And uh, then I was checking to see how many e-commerce uh, podcasts have females. And the ratio was like 20 to 40% female if there was. So I said, wow, okay. So I'm just, I went, I went at, you know, the male counterparts of this industry. And I said, what are we going to do about this? And, you know, I just ended up uh, doing this podcast that I'm doing right now, e-commerce growth stories. And I only, I got a few of my dude friends on, but I booked until August only females. So I'm like 78% female right now in, uh, in, uh, in my podcast. And yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of people that give chances to women, whatever. Even if you can create some sort of impact for brands or people that you work with, you don't get a lot of chances as a woman. So today is the International Women's Day. I don't know when you're going <laughs> to, I don't know when you're going to uh, publish this, but today when I'm talking to you, it's International uh, Women's Day and I'm happy to be a woman and I'm happy to be a minority and I'm happy to be from Romania and to be in your podcast I just, uh, I just said, fine, if no one is getting women on podcasts, I'll get them on my podcast. It does, you don't have to be famous. You don't have to be nothing. You know, like if you want, you can come on my podcast. So I just ended up having all these cool women that I'm just learning from. And it's like, it's amazing to get all this feedback and to see how much they relate with this. And I think we just, we have to do a bit better, you know, for all the podcast hosts that are probably listening to your podcast and copying it. You know, copy this part, you know, and get more women there in your podcast and give more women a chance because you're going to be very pleasantly surprised. I agree. I think that is, is perfectly good advice. How do you solve the problem? Give opportunities to other people, to people who you may have otherwise passed on. You will be pleasantly surprised at how well that works out for you. Juliana, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was really, really fun. And thank you for the chance. Building an amazing Shopify store starts with an amazing foundation a.k.a. your theme. Enter Turbo. Calling it a theme almost doesn't do it justice. Instead, think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. It is one of the most configurable feature pack themes for Shopify available today. With predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. That's a metric ton, not a standard ton, by the way. It's easy to see why it is my own agency's favorite Shopify theme to work with. Not sold yet? Maybe this will help. You can save 20% off Turbo. That's $70 off the sale price of my go-to theme when you visit outofthesandbox.com unofficial and use code KURT20 at checkout. Best of all, try it for two weeks. And if you don't love it, out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. That's right, full refund if you hate it. You've got nothing to lose and a beautiful money-making online storefront to gain. That's K-U-R-T-2-0 at outofthesandbox.com slash unofficial. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.